Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Matador Yachtcast. Yes, I said Yachtcast, not podcast. We are here in Tampa, Florida, sunny Tampa, Florida, right outside of the Digital Dealer Conference Center, where we are talking to some amazing guests about anything and everything automotive. Welcome to the Matador Yachtcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. So I have some great people who are here with me today. I have the one and only Mr. Big Tom LaPointe. Tom, what's up? How you doing? What's happening? <laughs> what's going on? I got Tom Ripple with me, man. How you doing? How's everybody doing? I got the infamous Matt Kelly. Good to see everyone. How are you doing today? <laughs> good, man. Good. Hey, guys, we're going to have some cool conversation, and I'm super excited to get into some of the topics that we're going to jam about today. But, hey, I love kicking off all these podcasts with a little origin story. Hey, i got to be honest with you because I'm always fascinated because I just truly believe no one just wakes up one day and goes, shit, I want to be in the automotive industry. <laughs> so I love to kind of find out kind of how you guys got started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry. Big Tom, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the industry. So my origin goes way back. I spent eight years <laughs> in public relations um, in the Marine Corps and was a research assistant at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. I got tired of the cold. I wanted to make more money and I wanted to race cars since I was a kid. So I literally came down to Tampa for 25 years, did retail, was an exotic car broker, got onto the vendor side for several years. And then now I moved up to the Maryland, Delaware, Virginia area as an internet director for a mid-sized group. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Tom Ripple, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, I might be the oddball in group because <laughs> I never wanted to do anything but sell cars. I mean, oh, I, knew I was going to be go. a car salesman from the time I was 12 years old. I got out of high school. <laughs> uh, I couldn't get hired as a salesman, but they hired me as a detailer. So, you know, you show a little bit of a little bit of hustle and be in the detailing world before you know it, they ask you to be a salesman. <laughs> uh, and that progressed, right? I did the natural progress. I went to sales manager, new cars, used cars, GSM, general manager, ran three stores. And then I hopped in 2007, I hopped over to the training side, uh, worked for Zurich, large uh, F&I provider, and stayed with them for 10 years, had a great experience, and then five years ago decided to hop out and do it all on my own. That's what I'm doing now. Awesome. Awesome. Matt? Uh, great question. I uh, came out of college in 2008, <laughs> so it wasn't the best of time. I had an accounting uh, job, and unfortunately, they had to decide to cut all of those jobs because of the economy. So I found myself looking on career builder at the time, not Indeed, and I'm like, oh, the only place hiring is uh, car dealerships. So I said, I'm going to give it a shot. Everyone thought I was nuts, and uh, you know, 11 months later, I got promoted to be used car manager, then new car manager, and, and then internet director, and a bunch of other positions. And about two years ago, I found myself wanting to get out of it just to try something different, touch more dealers, and uh, we started a software company, Dealer Funnel, and we've been doing that since. Awesome. Hey, guys, real quick, one quick note, uh, just to kind of help eliminate some of the noise in the background. The closer you can kind of, like, get right up into your chin, then it's easier for me to cut that noise out. Perfect. Don't lick it. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you the, beer, the, the mic, microphone smells like a beer. Um, <laughs> it's <the> microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and my voice sounds like a like a carnival. Um, <laughs> you know what, guys? Uh, so much has changed in the last 24 months. I mean, holy crap! What what an industry to be in, right? Uh, I mean, everything from from people changes to process changes to just technology changes and kind of everything in in between. There, it just seems like our industry has gone through so much fundamental changes in those categories in the last 24 months probably more more so than probably the previous 20 years combined. 
Uh, what a crazy ride it's been. You know, now that we're here, you know, and at Digital Dealer, uh, Digital Dealer and Conference here in Tampa, I'm going through some of the sessions, and I got to be honest, with you, I haven't heard the C word much. You know, so it's it feels like there's this sense of normalcy coming back, but so much went on the last 24 months. I'd love to kind of get your guys' perspective of what you guys observed to be one of the biggest changes for yourselves, either from a people, process, or a technology perspective. Uh, Big Tom, I'll start with you, and then I'll work my way down to Matt. No, so the, 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 the governing dynamic word for the last 24 months is pivot. Yeah, it's, it's pivot. And, and I feel like, you know, the girl on the ice is going around in circles sometimes because, because to your point, every month brought something different or has brought something different that that came with it at first we're a Preston automotive group in maryland delaware virginia three different states three different sets of rules three different levels of shutdown three different sets of scripts for follow-up managers only appointments only and then okay people can come back but but mask mandates and and travel mandates and where do you get food and <laughs> and and you know some some great months because the the OEM stepped up with insane incentives, yes, just insane incentives. So everybody's having great months. You roll through 2019, you roll into 2020. Hey, we're we're gonna have less cars this year, but it's gonna be over by June. No problem. You know? <laughs> yes. We just gotta no get problem. We just gotta get past the curve. We're gonna have all these cars <laughs> coming in June, and that was a year ago. And and as as we just we're just yes. talking now. So the, the crux of that. You know, two of the biggest pieces that rolled into place. One, AI's kind of this this year and this conference, yes. the artificial communication, whether it's text chat and even even vocal communication with some of the bots. And by the way, why is it always a girl? Why don't we have an AI named Bruno? You know what? I think I'm going to make one. I'm actually going to make one. We need a Jason. I'm, I'm gonna, I'd go I'm with Jason. Jason. I'd go with Jason. Yeah, Jason AI. Good. In fact, like a like a animated version of your big smiling face. Yes. Um, but the other, you know, digital retailing, where the customers yes. are desking their own deals online, and and some markets have embraced it, some markets haven't. So we and now we're just talking about what do we have left over? I can order you a Ford Edge, maybe an Escape. Yes. Trucks are out, Mavericks are out, Broncos challenge. So every day is an adjustment and you know and and being sympathetic to our vendors who are having different levels of success and struggles too mm -hmm, 100 percent. tom ripple yourself where uh, process well, people tech there's some big changes i i think that uh big tom hit it out of the park there's a lot of things that you conquered there a couple of different things we started with was the whole COVID fiasco right and we're going to go to um completely touches delivery we're going to do everything digital and i was talking to, to jim ziggler after his keynote but we just haven't nailed out how to do F&I, right? It's one of those things that we've been working on constantly. Yes, we haven't really true. figured out how to do that in a totally digital environment. So the, that whole pivot ch change for me from a training and development perspective went from how are we going to do touchless deliveries and how are we going to still make it profitable, right? We got customers, but some want to buy cars uh, from their couch to, hey, now we have no inventory, right? So <laughs> yes, that was, right. to, to steal your term, it's a pivot. It's like, well, let's start talking about that. Uh, and that's what we based everything we did here at the uh, the, the conference was, how are we going to make create more leads in this current environment? I mean, talk about it, just a fundamental people change there too, right? I mean, like, you know, we, look, we've all been in the car business for a long time and we, we've all been told, sell what's on the lot. Hey, boss, there's nothing on the lot. 
Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I know that, exactly that, what you that mean. That entire mentality of sell what's available today has just been embedded into our industry for so many years. And now we're like, I mean, just think about that, the fundamental shift that people have to go through. Like their mindset now has to go not sell what's on the lot now, sell what might be on the lot 12 months from now. <laughs> well, and I've had some sarcastic salespeople like, hey, you've been telling me not to be an order taker for 20 years. Oh, that's a good that's one. That's changed. <laughs> my, my, my response... I, don't be an order taker, be an order seller, because some people oh, are going to give you the you order. Go. Some people, you're going to actually have to build some value in the benefits to ordering exactly what they want to the extent that it's available. 100%. Well yeah, if said. I can expand on that just for a second, it's that first interaction that we're having on the guests. Either they're coming from the internet, uh, they're walking in the door, rarely, but they're still walking in the door, and they're calling on the phone. And the way we handle that today is so much more important than it was in the past because we don't have anything on the ground to talk about. <laughs> We're selling it's air, a different right? Conversation. Um, so the selling way that we impress air. them, at least we can get them to come into the store and talk to us and hopefully get them on that list. Exactly. Hey, Matt Kelly, for yourself, uh, people, process technologies, man, what has been some of the biggest changes that you've observed in the last 24 months? I think one of the biggest things that we've been talking about, especially over the last 12 months, is used vehicle acquisition, right, to keep mm. up with those lots that are empty, right? How are we going to acquire those cars? What are what are the strategies that are going to go behind it? What what advertising are we going to do? What processes are we going to put in place? Are we going to create a new department like a VBC, a virtual buying center, and actually dedicate resources to it, just like we do for our parts department, our sales department, our service department, and take it very seriously? Because I really think that that's been you know kind of ignored for a long time, and in the last two years, it allowed that to kind of come to the forefront. Right? We used to always talk about the three P's: people, uh, procedure, process, people, and and pay plans, and <laughs> now I think we just have to continue to have that conversation, but bring in the virtual buying centers because then it'll it'll fulfill the two things that Tom and Tom here were just talking about. Because not having cars or having or having to order because that's another uh, topic of conversation. But there's a lot of people who used to be new car buyers that are willing to buy that one-year-old car with maybe five to fifteen thousand miles on it if you can acquire it. And I think that's a big conversation, and I don't think that conversation is going away anytime soon. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with you completely. I don't think it's going to change for, for quite a while. Um, we might have to pivot at least one more time to try and figure everything out. <laughs> every time you guys say pivot, I think of friends. Uh, you know what? You know, every time we're, we're moving I, a couch I want, up you know, this yacht. I want a pivot jar. That's what I want. I'm like, anybody that says the word pivot, stick a dollar in the jar, right? No, but, but no, Tom, you're right. You, I mean, you are, right? Um, I, I know that this has got to be a big topic for you, big Tom, uh, at, at the group. It's what, gone up and down. Yes. You know, we... We, a, we had a pretty good process in place. Um, we we pivoted. <laughs> Sorry to use that. It become a cliche. That's going to cost you a dollar. dollar. <laughs> um, dang it. Um, but we were very quick to get the, the messages online, very quick to send the emails, very quick to put a spiff to the salespeople. If you know anybody selling a car, 300 bucks, you know, cash in your pocket as a, as a referral, which made it way more cost effective and, and much better vehicle to resell than buying something from the auction ever. Yes. You know, was it in the last hurricane in, in Louisiana? Who knows, right? <laughs> um, how much how much salt damage is in it from northern Minnesota or Canada or, <laughs> yes. or wherever? But now we're looking at, okay, we really have to sustain and level that up again. Mm-hmm. We, we thought we were doing well, but, you know, some of the messages from the factory weren't entirely accurate. And I actually, you got to be kidding. 
<laughs> what? The factory message what? was not was not totally accurate. Not Sorry about that, Matt. Go ahead. No, and I agree with that. I think one of the things that we've actually really worked on with the VBCs is processes because you can't you can't just have a good process for the VBC, but you have to have good processes in general. And one thing that we've noticed is follow up is actually going to the wayside of a lot of companies. Oh my because gosh, it they is. got so lackadaisical with how easy some of the business is right now. And unfortunately, I think retention's down for a lot of dealerships because hey, Tom, you don't have that car. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go over here because they do. And I think that that's why follow-up and processes are so important right now because you have to make sure you're retaining your customers, building that value like Tom, Big Tom was just talking about because if you can't explain why it's a benefit benefit to order your car and why we're doing these things, you're going to lose them to your competition 100%. in ways that you never expected. Well, you're a trainer. I am. And, <laughs> and Is that a question? One of the things, that a question? Well, I'm sure, I mean, in the dealers that you work with, one of the struggles we've had is is because of limited availability, the the profitability is higher for salesperson, the profitability is higher for the managers, the profitability is higher for the store. When you talk about follow-up going by the wayside, I literally had a guy, he sold 14 cars a couple of years of best month. I'm like, hey man, when are you gonna get back to four? Oh, I don't need to do that. I'm making plenty of money. On a plus note, that's true. Employee retention is at a record high, with almost zero employee churn. <laughs> making a lot of money, aren't they? That's but right. Trying to keep them on that follow-up habit, trying to keep them engaged in the tools that we have, the CRMs, etc. I mean, that is a conscious effort. And what are you doing with your dealers to do that? Well, so what we've been doing is really changing the way that we start our day. We talk about things differently. Mm -hmm. We start with inventory. Uh, we have the BDC involved in those meetings so we can make sure we're getting every single touch. And we've just increased the level of training on how we're introducing the guests. I don't want to take this on too far of a segue, but about eight no, months ago. No, but I think that's a good segue to go down. About really eight do. months ago, my wife said, hey, we need new furniture for the living room. It's fantastic. Let's go get furniture. <laughs> First, we emptied out the living room, and then we went furniture shopping. Oops. That was a mistake, right? Oh, no. <laughs> we walked into the furniture <laughs> store. Definitely a mistake. <laughs> you walk into the furniture store, and the first person that walks up is like, Hey, folks, I'm just going to let you know um, all these floor models, they're not available because we need them to sell from. Second of all, if you order anything, it's probably going to take you, take you six to eight months to get it. And just so you know, we don't have any deals. Now, now that person is trying to be nice, right, because she doesn't want me to be shocked when she tells me eight months. But what we're teaching the salespeople is, hey, man, have that conversation with them bring them into the funnel and now we're talking about Ford shutting down deals we can't even put them in the order bank we have to put them on a spreadsheet exactly. that we can put them on an order bank at some determined time <laughs> so the way we're handi uh, handling those guests is at the top of exactly what we're training and uh, mm -hmm. we do that every single day well and are we are you seeing dealers that are at risk of alienating customers because certain vehicles across all brands are being sold above MSRP uh, and, oh gosh! And, I can, and can we started here in customers, man, I'm never buying with you guys again because you're selling above sticker. Well, that, every dealer between my store in Detroit is going to have that vehicle above sticker. You guys are jerks because you're not giving me the factory price. When I've got three of them in stock, we've got people to feed and accounting, and you know we we need to be able to survive too. And what happens when we don't have any? Well, that's a good point because I think memories, well, memories, unfortunately, are very short. So I think we're hoping. most dealers exactly. are relying 100%. on that. Uh, we're fortunate that we're, we're well, they're, they're we're very, at. they're very short, Tom, until I come back to try to trade in that vehicle. I'm oh, now yes. $35,000 upside down in it. So yeah, uh, no, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just going to put that out there, right? Because there's not a quit bank doing in the, the world. Quit, quit there's with the not going to be a bank in the world that's going to touch that shit. Anyway, sorry, go Facts over feelings. Well, the fortunate matter is that the majority of my dealers are at MSRP. Right, and the margins are so low. MSRP is a fair price for the car. Yes. And uh, with what they're getting for their trades, that's much more they're getting before. You know, the deals are better right now than ever. 
I know yes. that a lot of people didn't maybe, you know, think they would like this process. And when you talk to buyers in the marketplace, some think they're paying too much. It's up to us to have that discussion with them and say, oh, no, no, exactly. no. The time is now. Get on the list. Time, time goes quick. You know, we'll get your car, or while we're looking, we'll find something. And that's where I think the follow-up is really crucial because you got to make sure you have a good procedure in place to just keep them in touch but keep them warm and fuzzy because I see it all the time. Like, hey, well, I haven't heard from you guys in a month about my order. You know, because I know a friend of mine, he ordered a truck from Ford in December. His build date just got (laughs) sent to him on Friday. I mean, in, in, mo- in December, which year though? <laughs> which year? Oh, and, oh, but because, oh, but I'm I've had vehicles though. that were done in That's, September. I'm we just, haven't seen. I'm yet. just saying the expectation yes. though at the at the desk wasn't set. Right. Oh, so yeah, now, no, you gotta see, oh, now you got to create a follow up. That's a rabbit hole I want to go around down. that because yes. he's not in. He's not working at the dealership, right? Like he's on the vendor side, so he's a he's a he's a consumer in my opinion, right? So at the end of the day, you got to have a process in place. That, hey, if this 100%. happens, what are we going to do? No, How we, we actually actually went into CRM and built in an order. Fo- we didn't have it before. You, of course. Yeah. The, why the, would you need one? Yeah, the Raptor order here and there, the the yep. mock Mustang buyer, but we it, we didn't have this. So we built a process. Every two months is a touch. Send them a text. Send them an email. Go check with the desk. See where this car is. Yes. Good, bad, or indifferent. And I built it out for two years, which in some cases may not even be long enough. But, but one of the other things with when we talk about follow-up is, is making sure to, like you said, set, set those expectations yes. in the showroom. And the smartest dealers, and, and tell me what you guys are running into with your stores, are going to lease the car to the customer. The, the car I bought in December because I needed to buy a car. And I, what happened to the 15 grand off on a pickup truck? <laughs> I have 16 brands to choose from. I spent like four days desking every single deal. Okay, I ended up with this SUV lease. But I know in three years I can walk away, get my next option. 100%. And some of my I stores are all over leasing. And that's because then that customer, you're, they're not going to be in that negative equity situation. You, you, you know, typically in three years, if the lease is a, is a typical experience. Well, if, but, it's a, if it's a lease, I mean, they have that guaranteed future value. And exactly. I think if you just explain that guaranteed future value, let them know that that's locked in and they can have those three great options. That's a great process. Well, and until I, I, they I, blow I the you. limit by 20,000. Exactly, exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm only 6,000 miles over mine. Another conversation. Get my wife this new car. I'm like, honey. Still, still, it's still cheaper than the depreciation you would have well, paid. It's predictable. I can't. But it's but it's a guaranteed number, whatever the situation exactly. is. I know what it's going to be. Hey well, guys, there's one rabbit hole I want to go down real quick because you touched on it. And I want to go down it, right? Um, you know, we talk about these long order times, and you know, I think we talk it from a uh, from a very negative place because it is. It's frustrating, right? But I actually do believe, you know, kind of with the process you've set up, uh, Big Tom, is that there's opportunity there. And I literally did this myself, okay? I ordered a pickup. All right, I was lucky enough that it was only 10 weeks, not 10 months, okay? But during that time frame, this dealership did an amazing job of just kind of checking in with me and uh, you know, throwing, me at, throwing at me some accessory ideas and just double checking again saying, you know, are you sure you didn't want to take the service contract? And guys, I'm telling you right now, I bought the tonneau cover I bought the running boards. I bought the service contract before that car even landed on it because you should the dealership see had this extra time. Yes, you should see my, well, it's wrapped in orange. But Thank yes. you very much for that, by the way. <laughs> That's right. We appreciate everything you bought. <laughs> we appreciate everything you bought. But don't you think there's some opportunity here? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So learning, so we go from the atmosphere where we're selling cars and we're making a lot of money yes. uh, to, hey, there's no inventory. How are we going to follow up on those people? So we learned a new set of skills, I think, in that first part of that 
on really how to maybe negotiate a little bit different and build more value. And then on the second part of that, it's that digging in deep and doing the doing all the follow-up things. So there's some processes that need to be developed. Yeah, you, you, you got time. The sale has actually right been extended. You know, it's not three and a half hours. You know, it's and we have to months. pivot to make sure we accomplish that. Oh, where's the where's the jar? I need a dollar. Well, <laughs> and I and I actually think some of that that your opportunity is not just there though. It's with your even current client base, right? Because I'm not sure, Tom. Big Tom, can you tell us? Are your customers staying in their cars longer than you used to have them staying? Oh, it? absolutely. You know, so and, maybe and you call them is, for that service contract. Now. Part of that is well, you, and you have that as an example of a value of a value situation. Why why to get a service contract? Right. Um, but but it, what hasn't come up here is the, the transition. To good, people are keeping the cars longer. I've got to be able to handle service volume. I've got to be able to yes. to, to do more cha- oil changes on a Saturday. I've got to be able to, and literally on the local news here this morning, they were talking about parts shortages. Mm. Because not only do they not have parts to build the car with, but, man, I, I had a, an unfortunate accident. It's like from the movie. Somebody literally hit the, the door when I opened it and peeled it back, which is, Way less cool in person, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my God. It's way less. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, it was four or five months to get. So, so it took a month to get the, the most important parts. And there were trim pieces still not in three months later. There were oh plastic pieces. I'm like, wow. it's plastic. It's not a computer chip. So the whole supply chain. We couldn't get trailer hitches on some pickups for a while. <laughs> I mean, why would you need a trailer hitch on it? Who, who, yeah, 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 who needs that? You who to use it to the truck. Uses a truck to actually for truck purposes. I mean, no one does that, does they? No. Oh. All right. Can I take this whole thing just a step back, please? Oh, so, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> like, yes. If I can back it up, man. Let's just thank back, you. Let's back. Don't go too so, far, because your last your last group that was up in there said something that was important. You said, "Hey, how are we attracting people into this business?" And we're not yes. attracting people into the sales end of the business. We're just not. But no. we can be good in developing the people that we have that have some aptitude and show them how they can grow within the business. That's where we need to concentrate because the people that run the store we got to start from the beginning. The people that are in there doing the work, having the face-to-face confrontations with the guests, yeah, and I did say confrontation, having those confrontations yes. with the guests are the ones that are going to make the difference. They're going to do the follow-up that they need to do because mm-hmm. they have the right mindset. And, of course, it goes back to training and development, right? <laughs> no, 100%. And, and, and that's actually – I can't. I couldn't agree with you more because I, and I think an avenue to do that is those virtual buying centers, right? The, mm-hmm. Some of the most successful ones that I've been part of are 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds, fresh out of college, know no better. There's not a great, there's not a great job point. market in some cases for them. You get them into this. They're trained on a certain way. You can give them a salary and commission, and they are focused highly on one thing. And I've even seen a young lady – not only do this, but now is becoming a used car manager because she got so good over over the last 12 months. It was incredible. And I think that's a great way to attract. And you know what we don't do? How many times does a car dealership go to any of the colleges when they have an open job market? Oh, right, and a you're job 100%. Fair, right? Oh, we've but done how, it. I, was gonna say, yeah, I can yeah, see a big time there. I'm saying Absolutely. it's not often, though. No, right? our like, recruiter does, but, it's, but it's tough. <laughs> and to your point, this, this market, this dynamic changes – changes that so there, w- there was a huge transition in the recession 2008 to 2012 i That's saw I more in. people had that had seen a college but not just that that had a master's degrees or bachelor's degrees coming in it actually and you were you we I mean, you and i were working in the same yes. markets it changed the dynamic it changed the dynamic of who the internet manager was it wasn't the geeky kid that's just just coming out of of high school or that couldn't sell cars hey you just go run the internet you, it, it changed the level of conversation 
Uh, my buddy used to joke, if I was smart, would I be in the car business? And you know who that was. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what that and, was. And, <laughs> and, 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 and then we times. go to the vendor. This was to customers. We're selling to expensive Rolls Royce, and, and, and they thought it was funny. And I heard him say it to dealer, internet director. And I'm like, dude, she's got a master's degree. She's not going to think that's funny. <laughs> but that gives us an opportunity. But where are you seeing the – I know where my, our weak points are in this vehicle buying center process whether it's formal or just ad hoc in the showroom where's it breaking down where are you seeing okay you did a good job of getting it but then what well i think the, the breakdown is if you don't have a dedicated department right because sometimes you have your beat you That's have true. great some teams have awesome bdcs right and they can set your team appointments all day right i i, I actually believe that that that's that's around the country everywhere there's a lot of great dealerships that do that but then they get that appointment in and it goes to a normal salesperson and he was taught and i think we touched on it earlier like sell what's on the lot sell them something right but no no they came in to sell their car to us guys and get a check in hand yes and we're not delivering on the process that we told them they were and that's where we believe that if you're dedicating that department none of that's going to happen because they're going to meet with the person they set the appointment with and then they're going to get their check and then hey you want to buy a car you don't have a way home we have a sales department that can take care of you we don't the, the, the vbc agents are not selling anything they only give them the check and then if they want to buy a car they can go to that department just like if they need parts, they go to the parts department. I think you're hitting exactly. the nail on no, the head. For sure. What we need to do is, and a lot of dealers, the ones that I work, they're not all in on that process because it takes time to develop. And you know what? As we're yes. developing new processes, we make a lot of mistakes. And they get up to a couple mistakes, and then maybe they back off because it's relatively, uh, relatively expensive to do. But I think if we're not all in and doing that training with those people from the very beginning 100%. and creating those new positions that are somewhat different that would be a traditional car position or sales position, yep. that's the way to draw those people in that are coming out of college, and then we can go and recruit them. I agree, because we're seeing a car bought off the street versus a car bought at the auction. We're seeing anywhere from 1500 to $2,000 more in gross profit. So you can talk, our, every dealer is going to go, what's the ROI behind this department? That's just going to be another expense for us. Well, how about you just believe in it and the bottom line will take care of itself we promise well and there there well, are multiple the steps behind it yes exactly <laughs> there are multiple phases of this so you've got to have an out out an outbound ad strategy yes. and marketing strategy to get the customer to click into that you've got to have it to your point land in in mine come in is the we buy car page but, but you know if you if you want to get these people if you want to compete with the the other c word the carvana if you want to compete with the, the, the CarMax, who's been doing this since day one for 20 years, 25 years, yeah. we'll buy your car and give you an offer right now. You've got to have an online process. You've got, to, you've got to step up and pay for a tool to be able to get the pictures in there, get that evaluation, have it you know, connect to V-Auto, or have someone sit there. It can't be the used car director that's driving to 10 different locations all exactly. day. Well, like, like anything, guys, I mean, it is a people process and technology you know, situation, right? And if we don't commit to all three of those pillars, it will never get off the ground. Guys, look, we're, we're, we're at the tail end of our time today. This has been an amazing conversation. Awesome. I'm 100% convinced we could probably go a whole nother hour here, guys. <laughs> you've, you've, been, you've been so great. Like, I mean, really, guys, just amazing jam session. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much Jason, for having us. Jason, thank you. Jason Thanks is for the having man. us. Thanks for tuning in to the Matador Yachtcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at matador.ai to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.